Hear now the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion for them and healed those who were sick. That evening, his disciples came and said to him, This is an isolated place, and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, There's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here except five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves of bread and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, and broke the loaves apart, and gave them to his disciples. Then the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full, and they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. About 5,000 men, plus women and children, had eaten. This is the word of God. Well, we're shy one pastor this week, and for the immediate and foreseeable future. Pastor Lisa has been appointed to be pastor in charge at Buda United Methodist Church, as all or at least most of you are aware. She talked last week in her sermon about how at annual conference they have this ritual where they uh, formally fix all of the appointments and they ask the pastors who are moving to officially move to be with the church that they're going to be appointed with in the coming year. So it's official, y'all. It is a done deal. And now Lisa's in Alaska on a cruise, <laughs> resting up, renewing her spirit, preparing herself for her first Sunday in worship at her new place, her new church. And ever since I realized that we would not be receiving a new associate pastor, I've been wondering, what am I gonna do? <laughs> what are we gonna do? First of all, let me back up just a little bit and let you know how it came to be that we're not receiving an associate pastor right now. Very early in the appointment process, just after I knew that Pastor Lisa was being moved, I met with our district superintendent, Teresa Wellborn, and we began to talk about our church. We talked about um, what its current needs are, what the vision is for this church, where it is that we think this church needs to move next. We also talked about um, what gifts and what talents and experience that another associate pastor would need in order to help us live into what's next for Westlake United Methodist. Then Teresa began to tell me about a couple of pastors who were uh, potential associates, and there weren't many. Just to set a little bit of context, in recent years there have been a lot of retirements, way more than the number that we've been ordaining. As I sat in the clergy session at annual conference this past year, and we began to read off the names of all those who were retiring this year, 
And then we began to read the names of all those who are currently in the appointment or in the ordination process. I got really curious and I started to do some math and I realized that we had more pastors retire this year than we have in the pipeline to ordain over the next three years. So it's no surprise that we have a shortage of potential associates. So as I continued to pray about the future of Westlake UMC, and, and as I began to pray about and learn more about the potential associate pastors, those who were available for appointment, I came to understand that of the available clergy, there weren't any who had the gifts and the talents and the experience that this church needs right now to move forward. It left me feeling very unsettled, particularly at first, quite anxious actually. The thought of receiving a, but the thought of receiving an associate just for the sake of receiving an associate, that felt wrong to me. It didn't feel faithful. It certainly did not feel like a wise use of our resources. I didn't want to just panic. But I will say I felt a little bit lost. I could see very clearly where our church should go next. But in terms of how we're going to get there, it wasn't clear at all. Jesus, and, Jesus is out in the wilderness. And he's led thousands and thousands of men, women, and children out into the wilderness with him. He didn't mean to. He was actually going out there to seek solitude. He, the wilderness, as you know, is often associated with uncertainty in the spiritual life. It's associated with a sense of aridity or a dryness of spirit. And Jesus had just learned that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded by Herod. So he went out into the wilderness because he wanted to grieve. He wanted to pray. He wanted to find his center again. But the people, you know, they had gotten so used to hearing him preach and teach and watching him heal. They couldn't resist. They were drawn to him. They were hungry for all that he had to teach them. They were hungry for his healing and for his presence. So they followed him. And of course, Jesus, always the gracious one, he obliged them. And he spent the whole day healing and teaching until finally it was getting late. It was going to be dark soon. The people were going to be hungry now for bread. Jesus, of course, always moved, motivated by compassion. As he so often is, he moved, he was moved to provide what these people needed. So he tells the disciples, don't tell them to leave. There's no need for that. You give them something to eat. Well, of course, they were completely and utterly stunned. What do you mean, Jesus? There's 5,000 men here. That doesn't even count the women and children. If you add them, there is no telling how many people are here. And we don't have enough for all of them. They only had five loaves of bread, and these aren't huge loaves of bread we're talking about, and two fish between them. Clearly, not enough to provide for so many people. 
I imagine that the words of the psalmist in Psalm 78 must have just resounded in their heads when they cry out, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? That's a question many of us ask, right? We often question God's faithfulness and God's strength, God's willingness to provide in stark, parched, arid landscapes. We wonder if God will be faithful when we find ourselves in the wilderness. Bishop Schnazy likes to center annual conference on learning together rather than strictly um, business. So this year he invited Reverend Sue Nilsson Kibbe to come and speak. She wrote this book called Floodgates, Holy Momentum for a Fearless Church. It's a book primarily about the power of prayer. The premise is this. She says, as those who have been called and who have chosen to follow Christ, we believe that Christ lives in us. So she says, just as food on the table nourishes the life of our bodies, our physical bodies, prayer is the spiritual food that nourishes the life of Christ that's alive in us. Which begs the question, are we merely snacking on prayer? Or are we feasting? She, of course, advocates for feasting. And she advises that we wrap our entire lives, our entire church life, in a particular type of prayer that she calls breakthrough prayer. Breakthrough prayer is a consistent and repeated prayer that we wrap around everything we do, everything we think about, everything we long for, that asks God to break through and to break in in new and miraculous ways. And we should be doing this as it relates to our personal lives as well as our corporate life together as a church. We have a tendency to limit God sometimes by our own imagination or lack of imagination. So what, what she wants us to pray for when we ask for God to break through is that we want God to break through anything and everything that causes us to resist or to hold back including things like resistant thinking and unhelpful attitudes, including lack of imagination or lack of faith. Because it's trusting that God can and will do more than we could ever dream or imagine. And it's about having the courage to invite God to enter in and do exactly that. It requires an openness and a willingness it's a little bit scary. Jesus takes those five loaves and those two fish and he lifts them to God, asking God to break through, to break in, in miraculous fashion. He looked up to heaven, our scripture says, and he blessed them. 
he offers that meager supply of bread and fish up to God, remembering his utter dependence upon God. Maybe he's thinking about the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years while receiving daily bread from heaven to sustain them. I bet it brought to mind for the disciples Jesus' teaching them all to pray. That had happened just a few chapters back in Matthew's Gospel. Give us this day your daily bread. It's that prayer that begins by hallowing God's name, by hallowing our good Father's name. One commentator said, Jesus isn't blessing the bread near as much as he's blessing the giver of bread. It's an expression of complete and utter trust. Break through God. Break in. And so Jesus, in an act of deep faith and humility, takes the resources that they have available to them and looks up to heaven and offers it all to God to bless. And miraculously, it becomes way more than enough. God breaks through, God breaks in, and Jesus breaks bread. And he breaks bread again. And he breaks it again. And again. And again. Over and over. Hands it to the disciples. And tells them, give this to the people. And it's not just enough to get by on. It's not just enough to help them through this particular moment, but it's enough to fill every single one present. And there's leftovers. They collect 12 huge baskets of leftovers. Every single person, every one of those more than 5,000 people has eaten until they are full, and somehow they have more now than what they began with. How is that possible? In my own wilderness, I have craved what Jesus would teach me right now. I've hungered for God's wisdom, wondered how we'll manage. And I know many of you have too, because you've told me. I talked with Teresa several more times we talked on the phone, we emailed, texted, met in person a few more times as we continued to talk and pray together. As we both considered what might be possible. Ultimately, I decided not to receive an associate pastor just for the sake of receiving an associate pastor. I decided to trust that God is faithful and willing, and powerful. Powerful enough to provide more than I can ever dream or imagine. God can spread a table. God can provide a feast, even in the wilderness. If I wait, if I offer all that I am and all that I have, if we offer all that we are and all that we have, all of our resources to God. 
if we persistently and repeatedly look up to heaven and bless God, if we bless the giver of all gifts, the one who can do exceedingly more than we could ever dream or imagine. And do you know that already I'm experiencing God's provision in some amazing ways? Some of it was completely unimaginable for me. First of all, many of you have written me, you've sent me notes in the mail, you've emailed me, called me, texted me. Some of you have stopped me in the hallway to reassure me, to say, I'm here. Pastor, if you need something, call me. Just let me know. It's huge. My greatest immediate concern has to do with congregational care. How in the world will I meet the needs of everyone in this congregation who gets sick or who's going through a hard time? How am I going to connect with so many people at the time when they need it most? Well, God was providing for that particular need even before we knew that Pastor Lisa would be moved. This past spring, there was a group of people from this church who went to Church of the Resurrection to attend a seminar on congregational care. They were studying the model that Church, that church of the Resurrection uses to make sure that their, gosh, 10,000 plus members are cared for. Clearly, Adam Hamilton cannot visit them all at the hospital. It's it's very heavily lay-led, which is scriptural. Those who make up the church are to care for the church, just as we are to be in ministry. It's the work of the people. It's central to being the church. So adopting many of their practices, we've already begun to restructure and have plans to train many people who are already providing congregational care in various ways, but also new people who have longed to provide that kind of care, but they weren't really sure where to start. So that we can be sure that all who are unwillingly absent or who are in the hospitals or who are in rehab centers or who are going through any number of difficult times so that they will know that this church cares about them so that they'll experience the love of Christ in the moments when they need it most. I'm seeing firsthand that even in uncertainty, even in unfamiliar, seemingly parched and desolate places, God not only can, but does and will continue to provide all that we need. When we trust God, and when we offer up all that we have, all that we are in faith and humility, God is always good, y'all. And God blesses and multiplies and provides more than enough, more than we can ever dream or imagine. You know, this particular story, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, it is the only miracle story that shows up in every single gospel. It was very important to the early church. It was hard to be the church in those early days. They faced some very real challenges. And this story provided them with hope, provided them with inspiration. It was central to the gospel. So I'm asking you 
to invite that sort of radical faith into your own hearts, I'm asking you to pray with me. I'm asking that we all would look up to heaven, that we would offer to God everything that we have, everything that we are as individuals, as a church, and that we would ask and trust that God will bless and multiply and show us, show us, the disciples, how to share, how to provide for all those God calls us to, for the sake of filling all who are so hungry for Christ, those who are hungry for the gospel. Let us all pray. Let us pray now. Loving and gracious God, we offer you freely and fully, without hesitation, in perfect abandon, all that we are, all that we have, in trust and humility. We look up to heaven knowing that you are the one who gives all good gifts. God, we pray that you would break through, that you would break into our lives, into the life of this church, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would expand our imagination, that we might catch a glimpse of all that you have in mind for us, that we might see the vision that you have for us and for this mission field. God, we pray that as we offer this to you, as we offer now our gifts, our offering, that you would bless it, that you would multiply it, that you would make it more than enough for all who need you and long for you so very much. God, we pray this in the name of the one who is the bread of life and who is broken over and over and over and over again for our sake. Amen. Will the ushers please come forward to...